from the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Very, very good day to you, my brothers and sisters. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you on this June 23rd. And I never really had these before until our little granddaughter told us that she had hers. Uh, today's my half birthday because it's halfway through, halfway to, the, to my actual birthday when they celebrated her half birthday uh, in May. And... Uh, uh, her little brother, our grandson, celebrated his half birthday on uh, Friday, I believe, and uh, we never really did that. But now that I know, I've got to have a cake or something. It's my half birthday. So anyway, I'm happy you're here this June 23rd, 2020, praying you're having a blessed, happy, and holy day, staying cool, rather July-ish out there rather than June-ish. So anyway, I hope you're staying cool, and I'm happy you're here. It is Tuesday, our first day together this week. And uh, to, uh, over the weekend, Holy Father Pope Francis gave a, his Angelus message uh, telling Catholics to not be afraid of persecution. Uh, and leading up to that, uh, I don't know if you saw, I posted it, I think I posted it on my personal Facebook page, but it, um, there is a uh, person out there. Um, try I can't. Sean, his name is Sean King. Sean King. He's a uh, what you would call a far left activist. Has called for all images depicting Jesus and Mary as white European, and they need to come down. He said so. We'll talk more about that, and as you, you probably heard, that the statue of uh, St. Junipero Serra was uh, torn down in San Francisco over the weekend. Horrible things are happening in our world. Um, the Holy Father reminds us, as Christians especially, because you know, for 2,000 years, ever since the crucifixion, Christians have been suffering persecution, and we haven't really seen a lot of that in our own country, we've seen and heard about it around the world, other parts of the world. But now we're starting to hear open talk about this. So anyway, we'll talk more about that. Let's pray first, uh, my friends. And again, I thank you for being here, taking some time out of your day uh, to share this time together with me and all of our domestic church media family gathered from around the world. All these wonderful means of communications that we use to get the gospel out there. And um, it's odd times, very strange times, aren't they? Uh, but prayer is our greatest weapon. That's, you know, when you think about all the, the violence you hear about out there and what people are doing to each other and, and the, the killings and the murders and the destruction, the rioting, the looting, all that stuff. And we Christians, we have the most powerful weapon, really, when you th stop to think about it, the power, the weapon of prayer. And, of course, our dear friend, St. Padre Pio, and I'm sure many, many other saints uh, referred to the, the rosary as his weapon. You know, we, and again, there's, there's enormous power in this, and we have to start utilizing it more because uh, things are getting very, very um, 
strange. So we come together now in prayer, and we're praying this prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis uh, gave us uh, a few months ago uh, to pray for an end to the pandemic. And, you know, people say that we are still there. It's still not over. Uh, we know that there are cases spiking in parts of the other parts of the country, other parts of the world. But I did read an article yesterday uh, by a, from a doctor, and we had heard about another doctor a few, a few weeks ago say the same thing. But this doctor in Milan, I believe, um, said that cases of COVID in Italy now are not as severe. People are getting it. But the virus seems to be mutating in a way that it's becoming less severe when it does attack, uh, you know, a person's system. And he was pointing out that there were elderly people who were getting it, currently getting it, who two months ago, he said, would have been on ventilators. But now they're walking out of the doctor's office and it's just not as severe. So we go on to keep praying that thing away, get that out of here, um, and also to pray for peace and love. You know, I hate to sound so 60-ish, uh, but, you know, it's, it's true. We need to pray, in the words of our Lord, to, to love each other and to stop all this, this horrible uh, destruction. Um, so we'll pray for that. Uh, I'll ask you, please, to pray for our friend Maria. I've not gotten any, any, any recent updates uh, on her condition, um, but we're still praying for that miracle, God's time, but that miracle— uh, I'll ask you also, please, to pray for the apostolate, because as I've shared with you over the past couple of weeks, when we had that uh, Direco storm that came through um, a few weeks ago, it did uh, damage to our AM transmitter at 1260 AM. Now, you know, where I come to our main studios, our main offices are located in the 1260 AM radio station facility uh, and uh, here in Ewing uh, Township, New Jersey. And when that storm came through a few weeks ago, it, uh, it blew out uh, very, very critical um, components on our AM transmitter, you know, 6,000 watts of AM power, sending the signal to many parts of New Jersey and Central Jersey, South Jersey, Southeastern Pennsylvania, um, up into Hunterdon County. Um, but that transmitter is over 30 years old, and the part that... Uh, got destroyed can't be replaced so we have to buy a new transmitter there's no if we want this 1260 a.m station to stay on the air we need a new transmitter I mean, you may ask well, well how are you how are we doing that now the, the what our engineer has done is kind of cut and paste together <laughs> i don't know how we did it but um we can't keep doing this. It's got to. It's got to be, you know, in compliant with FCC regulations and power, all sort of stuff. So, anyway, pray with me. I thank all of you, so many of you, who have responded in whatever way you can, and I sincerely appreciate that uh, to help us raise that at least thirty-eight thousand dollars that we need to get a new transmitter here. Um, so we're praying for that miracle, okay? We're praying, and we may have some news on Thursday. I'm not sure. We'll just keep praying, praying, praying for that miracle as well. And as I said, and as you know, just pray for peace, you know? Just pray for peace. And people to once again look at each other's heart and not the color of their skin or their race or creed or 
nationality, but to look at the each person as a child of God as he or she is. We're all equal in God's eyes, no matter what your color, creed, race, nationality is. We're all children of God, and he loves each one of us equally and sees each one of us equally. So we have to pray that this uh, stuff ends between the virus and the virus of violence that we see in our country. It's just a horrible time right now. But we know that Jesus is in charge, and we know that Jesus is, is, is walking with us through this. So we'll talk more. Let's pray first. We'll talk more about it. And we begin, my brothers and sisters, as we begin all good things. That is, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, this is the prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis um, gave us to protect us from the uh, coronavirus. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God, in the present tragic situation when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety. We fly to you, Mother of God, and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes towards us and this, amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones who are sick and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son as you did at Cana so that the families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be open to confidence and trust. Protect those doctors, nurses, health care workers, and volunteers who are on the front lines of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued help. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders that, with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need, make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. And we'll pray, my friends, our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also this beautiful ancient uh, prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium prayer. It's almost two years ago. It was August of 2018 that Holy Father Pope Francis told us 
to pray these prayers every single day. Every day, he said, pray them uh, with the specific intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And we see the evil one's presence all over the place, don't we? And uh, we have to pray these prayers, Holy Father recommended. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you so much for praying together. And as I said, you know, we talk about weapons, and uh, that is our greatest weapon. And every single one of us has access to it. And we can certainly pray, 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 and in this battle, this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. And I think, you know, as, as we see things begin to transpire, you know, since... Uh, the pandemic, and then, of course, the, the uh, racial tensions that we see in our country. Um, we're seeing the father of division. We really are. The father of division. A liar from the beginning, Jesus called him. Satan himself, uh, whose dirty hands are in, in the middle of all this. I know. I, you, you know that, too. This is, it goes way beyond uh, a simple... Um, issue of, 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 of human nature. It, it goes into a supernatural. We're in a, a battle, and that battle is, is manifesting itself in so many ways. And so we have to use the, the weapon and the power of that weapon of prayer to pray it away. So we'll pray here every day together, you know, when I'm here with you. And, uh, uh, of course, throughout the broadcast day, you know, we have the Mass on at 8 o'clock in the morning. We have it on at 7 o'clock at night. It's on at noon. The rosary is prayed in the morning around 5.30 or so, right? 9.30 in the morning, 9.30 at night. Um, so there's, and, we, and again, at, at uh, um, 3.30, the rosary is prayed, and the chaplet at 3 o'clock. So there's so many times and ways that you can uh, come here, however you listen, however you watch, and pray. And, and, and in those in, with those intentions, to, to, to just pray for peace in, in the world. Um, there is so much disruption, so much disruption. And I know that you know uh, over the weekend, uh, you know, we're hearing about all these statues that are being uh, defaced and torn down to the point is it, it, it doesn't even seem like there's any, any rhyme or reason to which ones are coming down. <laughs> they just all seem to be coming down, um, which is horrible. You know, and, and uh, over the weekend in San Francisco, there was a statue uh, of uh, St. Unipera Serra. And uh, 
if you watch that, and you can, they show it on the news every now and then, you see he's holding a cross, and that's, that thing's coming down. They're tearing it down. Um, and no one seems to be stopping them. That's the point. Well, the Columbus, the Columbus statue, I think one in, there's one in South Philly uh, that was surrounded by uh, Italians. <laughs> the Italians down in South Philly, they weren't anybody near that Columbus statue. I think now it's boxed up. They, nobody can get to it, but the Italians were there. And they were going to protect it. As it, and there was, there's talk of the Columbus statue and Columbus Circle in New York being taken down, and that Columbus Circle being renamed. I mean, all these things. Pe- people are going mad. Quite frankly, people are, are just losing their minds. And speaking of losing minds, uh, over the weekend uh, or yesterday, I guess was it yesterday? Um, I guess it was. Yeah, yesterday, the day before. But anyway, there's this guy. His name is Sean King. And Sean King is considered one of these far-left activists. Uh, there's a picture of him here, I think. And uh, anyway, he, he, he um, on Monday, so yesterday, said all images depicting Jesus... All images, not just statues now, all images, which could include stained glass windows. All images depicting Jesus as a white European. And it also says his mother, blessed mother, this guy, Sean King, says they should all be torn down because they are a form of white supremacy. Um... He made these remarks in a series of Twitter posts, as we're seeing, and he was commenting on these historic monuments and statues becoming the targets of anger and vandalism uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, but anyway, he's, he's promoting that people take these things statues down. He says, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should come down. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been, this guy Sean King tweeted. Um, and he followed that with a second post on Twitter that said, white Jesus is a lie, a tool of white supremacy created to help white people use Christianity as a tool of oppression. He added that white people would never have accepted a religion from a brown man. King then tweeted support from taking down all imagery, including murals, stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their friends. So now how far this goes You know, if I don't know if it's caught on or there are people who are going to start doing this. But once, you know, last night there was the uh, um, uh, situation in Washington, D.C., where they were trying to take down the statue of, was it Andrew Jackson that sits outside the White House? Uh, you know, not, not, in, not on White House grounds, but near. And that St. John the Evangelist Church across the street from the White House, they once again vandalized. They spray painted it. On the pillars, uh, letters, and and 
it just seems that they're it's it, they're not going to stop. And um, when this guy Sean King starts talking like this and saying that uh, we need to take down these statues uh, and murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus, and he said in his tweet, and his European mother and their white friends, we know where this is coming from. We know where this is coming from. Satan can't stand Jesus. Satan Satan can't stand and hates his mother because he knows his time is limited. He's done. Blessed Mother will crush his head. But in this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in, you know, you never thought you would see things or hear things like this. Although I have to say, you know, I've mentioned this before, and it's, it, is, it is a fact, an historical fact, that um, when they were building the um, Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul in Philadelphia, which is the, is the, is the cathedral of the Archbishop of Philadelphia, when they were building that cathedral, um, there were anti-Catholics in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, who were so anti-Catholic that they would go and as they would build the uh, cathedral and put the stained glass windows in, they would come and throw rocks and break the windows. And so finally, and eventually, the builder raised the stained glass windows higher if you see then that's the way it is today, the stained glass windows on the cathedral are high so they couldn't hit them with stones. So, you know, anti-Catholicism has been around a long time. Anti-Christianity has been around, but especially Catholicism in this country, you wouldn't believe it. It is, the, you know, as I said, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. They're smashing the stained glass windows of cathedrals, uh, you know, 200 years ago. So, um, but again, it's all a, a, a result of our fallen nature and, you know, I, I thought personally, and, and many, many of you, because if you're my age or older, we lived through this already. We went through a lot of this already in the 1960s. And, you know, we need to, to, to remember what accomplishments were made, what, what headway was made. It's not perfect. You know, the, the country's not perfect. People are not perfect. There will, there will be racists until the end of the world there will, on, on, in all areas of uh, of races, not just white people, but but there are black racists, there are brown racists, there are Native American racists. I mean, they're there. It's it's it's, but that's part of our fallen nature. That's a result of sin. And I think if you look at whether it be the Catholic parishes and churches or the the evangelicals, the Baptists, people of all colors and nationalities who are true Christians are the ones who are most disturbed by all this because it doesn't fit into who we are. It's not part of our, our Christian culture. There are some who consider themselves Christian and, you know, will be right. And that's, you know, that's between them and God and they have to but as a whole, the majority of people are not like that. 
I remember uh, a few years ago, because it was, it was during the uh, Barack Obama presidency, when there were racial flare-ups, you know, the, the, the Trayvon Martin thing and the Ferguson thing, those, those, those unfortunate situations that took place then, and racial tensions were, you know, kind of getting a little bit uh, edgy. And you'd hear it on the news all the time. And I remember I'd go to the post office every day here, you know, in West Trenton, where, where we pick up our, our mail. And I'd go over there, and there, there were uh, three women who worked behind the counter at the post office. Two African-American women and, and another young lady who, who was Caucasian but had purple hair. She was kind of a—looked like she could have been a little bit of a— um, in my day, they would call her a hippie, but I don't know what they call them today. But, you know, a little bit more on the, on the uh, edgy side. Had piercings and things. And they were the three women working the counters. And they were all lovely people. And people would come in and talk to them, and they would converse. And there was a lot of laughing and, and getting to know. You know, you go to the post office on a regular basis, you get to know names, and people would talk to each other, whether they were white, black, red, Brown, whatever. There was no, and I would walk in there and think, wait a minute, I'm re- hearing on the news about all these racial, all the racial tension we have in our country. And I go into the post office and people of all all races getting along and talking civilly and 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 uh, charitably and having a good time and in conversation. So something wasn't driving, you know. And I think the majority of people just aren't like that. They're not. I mean, no, they're not racist. The majority, uh, the majority of people are like those that I just mentioned. Because a, a true Christian, in his or her heart, sees in another person a child of God. Regardless of of what their nationality or their race, or creed, or color is, a true Christian sees in another human being, just that a human being made in God's own image and likeness. And that's why I think when we see all these things happening, it we, we, we are disturbed because it's like, wait a minute, that's 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 not who we are. I know if I read things in in on social media and I have seen them, and you see posts about, you know, quote unquote white people and white supremacy and white privilege and all these other uh, descriptions, they bunch all white people into these particular posts, into one particular definition. I myself, as a, a Caucasian, an Italian-American, say, wait a minute, I, that's, that's, I don't, that's not me. And then, you know, of course, if you say I'm not racist, then, well, you're, it, it, it can, the devil will do all kinds of things. And the same thing happens for white people who, who bunch all people who, uh, you know, whether they be uh, uh, um, Asians or or or, or African Americans or Native Americans and, and put the stereotypes on them and, and bunch the it's ridiculous it's horrible. We know as brothers and sisters in the Lord that that's exactly what we are. So for every offense someone can point out about a an individual white person doing something horrible to a a black person you can find a black person doing something too horrible to a white person or you can always find these unique examples of individuals and that's what it is it's an individual thing it's not a group uh offense 
It shouldn't be. And I was watching over the weekend, and I have it on my DVR. Every now and then I like to watch it. There was this wonderful documentary, documentary series done by Ken Burns, a documentary filmmaker who did, in my mind, my two favorite documentaries he did was one on baseball, was like just told the history of the game and using old film clips and interviews and stuff. And this one was on the Roosevelt family, starting with Theodore Roosevelt, and you heard that story where they're, trying to, they're going to remove that statue from the Museum of Natural History, all the way up to the, to the Second World War and then into the 1960s when Eleanor Roosevelt passed away. But I focus on the Second World War because my dad fought in the Second World War. And I, I, I see what these men and women did and fought for, for our country, for our freedoms, for what we have here in, in the United States. Not perfect. The U.S. is not perfect. It wasn't perfect then. And Ro, uh, Theodore Roosevelt and Franklin, they weren't perfect men, nor has any president been a perfect man. But I know my dad will tell stories, would tell stories from his time in the war. And, and uh, the, as a 23-year-old was commanding a, a landing craft <laughs> off the coast of Africa in battles and, and the second invasion of France and then waiting off the coast of, of Japan to invade when they dropped the, the bomb finally. And then he was the occupation force. What, what the world was, was close to, to at that point, a, a, a worldwide tyranny by a, a madman and how people fought that and created a, a, a civilization in the 1950s of, of just realizing and recognizing all that we have here and the freedoms in our country. But I think it was based on those, those rock-solid Judeo-Christian principles that people live by, and we have to do more of that. Now, when I come back, uh, I want to go to Holy Father's Angelus message from Sunday where he told Catholics, do not fear persecution. So stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come on Company. Listen to the wisdom of Father Benedict Groeschel weekday mornings at 9 a.m. right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel 
communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Turn over the pages of sacred scripture. What do you find? You find a record of men to whom God has spoken. And you'll also find a record of men who listened to him. In other words, scripture is fulfilled in concrete living dialogues. Now, men do not always want that dialogue with God. At one time, they desire it. At another time, they fear it. Adam was afraid when God called him in the garden. Cain was afraid when God spoke to him. Moses was afraid before the burning bush. When you and I have a dialogue with God, what makes it up? One thing that makes it up is, first of all, a consciousness of our own sin. And the other is the voice of God urging us to confess it, to seek his mercy. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go to goodshop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit goodshop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's goodshop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. Goodshop.com. From Yardley to Yardville. Seagirt to Spotswood. Matawan to Manalapan. From Lakewood to Long Branch. Asbury Park to Adelphia. Morrisville to Marlboro. Domestic Church Catholic Radio, proclaiming Jesus Christ in the new springtime of the church. Welcome back, and in just a moment, we're going to go to Pope Francis's Angelus message from Sunday, and his message to Catholics, don't be afraid of persecution. How about that? So we'll get to that in a second. I was reading there, there's a book coming, I think, because I get, we get, we get uh, press releases, you know, and, and, uh, advanced copies of books from various publishers. You know, we hear we have many of the authors on with us on Friday's program. I didn't get the book, but I saw a, a, a public relations release uh, come out that these four or five authors uh, have written a book, and it's about who the next pope might be. And I, I thought, well, you know, first of all, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, Pope Francis is still kicking, you know, he's, he's still with us. Well, then I looked, you know, he is, he's going to be 84 in December, just six months from now, he'll be 84 
And when he was 85, Pope Benedict, you know, retired and, and resigned. So I don't think Pope Francis is in that position. Um, but I know he has some ailments. He has uh, sciatica, you know, so you see him walk with a slight uh, limp. Uh, but, uh, you know, put it in the Lord's hands, the Holy Spirit. You know, it doesn't seem seven years ago that uh, Pope Francis was elected. We were so blessed to have been there. That was still uh, one of the most amazing nights I've ever had in St. Peter's Square. But anyway, so keep keep our Holy Father in your prayers. You know, he's, he, uh, sometimes, you know, he, he speaks his mind. I, I, I sometimes see a lot of, a lot of similarities in certain aspects of their personalities where Pope Francis and, and President Trump are like, because they speak, they just, they just talk off the cuff and sometimes get themselves a little bit of hot water. People misunderstand or misinterpret or, you know, maybe they went a little too far that time. And just, just, but they're men. They're, they're not perfect. They're just men. Uh, okay, so that being said, there was something else I was going to tell you about. What was it? Oh, I have to stop and think. <laughs> Talk about getting old. Um, well, again, I'll, just, I'll remind you about the transmitter situation, my friends. Just, just so you're aware, again, we, we, we are going to have to buy a new transmitter. It's, it's not even questioned anymore. We're going to have to do this. Um, we're just trying to decide what's the best way to do it. Um, so I, I put the, the call out, you know, and I cast the net, what I've been doing all these years in uh, my main stewardship over the apostolate when we need something. The Lord always tells me, just ask for it. <laughs> so I come to you and I say, okay, uh, now don't cringe, but we need $38,000. We didn't have our Radiothon uh, yet. We're going to have the Radiothon, I'm praying, in the fall. I'm not sure when yet in the fall, but in the fall, which is not that far away. Here we are the middle of June already. Um, uh, so you know we're at a we're at a, a right now in a in a not a financial crisis, but we we are not where we usually are at this time of year as a result of having had a radiothon in the spring. So uh, and again, I want to thank all of you because so many of you have that you've 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 made a, an extra donation. You've called me. You've made a donation toward uh, chipping away at this thirty eight thousand that we have to get in order to buy the transmitter. Um, so I'm putting that out there. I don't know your financial situation, uh, but I thank all of you who are already donating toward that. And uh, I speak because I never know who's listening or watching. Uh, you may uh, be a person who is independently wealthy. <laughs> we have, an, I'm sure, many of them who are in our listing area here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and who tune in. And maybe you can make a legacy lifetime gift of $38,000 that would buy us a transmitter. And just think of this. In doing so, you would actually be donating the money to purchase this piece of equipment, which is the heartbeat of any radio station. If you don't have your transmitter, you're dead. So... Uh, you need the transmitter. So just think about this. You make a donation of $38,000 to buy that new transmitter, and you have given radio station 1260 a brand new heart 
to proclaim the gospel message for years and years and years to come. These trans- the one we have now, the transmitter, is, is over 30 years old. So the new transmitter that we're going to get for 1260 AM, I'm 65 years old, so it's, it's probably going to outlast me, so, which is great. But your donation will provide the gospel message going out to as many people as, as we can reach in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. What a great gift to the Lord that would be. It would be a lifetime legacy gift from you, your family, if you can do that. But again, you know, I, I just say, I just throw it out there. I cast the net, duke in altum, put out into the deep. That's my job, and uh, I do that. So if you can do that or donate toward it, go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. You can make an online donation with your debit or credit card just by clicking the Donate Now button. Uh, you can text the word Donate to 609-493-8255, and a link will come right back to you. Click on that link. It takes you to our donation page. You can make a donation uh, of your choice, whatever is comfortable for you. So text the word DONATE to 609-493-8255. You can also write to us here at Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box... 7509 Trenton 08628. That's Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509 Trenton 08628. And all of that's on our website. So you can go to domesticchurchmedia.org, get our mailing address, our phone number. You want to call me, you want to make that big legacy gift. I'll take your phone call or email me. We can have a nice conversation. Um, but it's all right there on our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and all of our mailing information, our phone number, and, uh, the Donate Now button is right there. You can donate. Uh, so whatever you can do toward that, my brothers and sisters, we have to get it because if we don't get it, 1260 is off the air um, in a couple of months. So we have to do this. We have to do, get this done. It's, uh, again, it's a weather-related problem we had with that Duraco storm that uh, blew through a few weeks ago. And um, we need it. We need to keep, especially these days, we need to keep getting this gospel message proclaimed boldly and without compromise. And why? Well, Holy Father, in his Angela's message on Sunday, encouraged us to fear sin, not the hostility, violence, or persecution that we may face when sharing the gospel with the world. Pope Francis said, Jesus advises these disciples, uh, reflecting on Sunday's gospel, Jesus advises these disciples of yesterday and today who suffer persecution. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He said, there is no need to be frightened of those who seek to extinguish the evangelizing force with arrogance and violence. And he reflected on the gospel of Sunday with Jesus' exhortation to his disciples to not be afraid. And Holy Father was speaking about the many Christians persecuted around the world today. He said they suffer for the gospel with love. They are the martyrs of our day. And we hear those stories, my friends, you know, um, of so many of our brothers and Christ, uh, Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are 
suffering horribly to the point of death. We don't, we don't have that yet here in this country. But as I should with you the first part of the program, here's this, this guy uh, who's encouraging people to destroy the statues and the windows and the murals and the paintings of, quote-unquote, white Jesus and his white mother and their white friends. This is scary stuff. Because, you know, the mob may go even beyond that. I mean, how would we, would we, what would the response be if this starts happening? You're going to defend our church? But Holy Father said, you know, don't be afraid of this. This is going, this is bound to come. It's bound to happen, as we're seeing around the world. He said, but those who persecute can do nothing against the soul. And he emphasized that no one can take away your union with God. You know, I've, I've, I've reflected on this a lot in our work here at the Apostolate during the pandemic, where all the mandates that came down from the governors and the officials and the CDC, you know, the whole thing with the social distancing, stay six feet apart, wear your masks, wash your hands, wear your gloves, all these mandates that came down. And it's kind of made people, I know I noticed, I stopped in a store yesterday. Cheryl and I were, had, we kind of took the day off yesterday because we just have, I was working all here on Saturday and Cheryl, of course, has her weekend work. And we said, let's just take Monday off and just do, so we went down the shore area and, and um, on the way back, we stopped at a little convenience store and I put on my my uh, little mask that I keep in the car. I don't dangle it from the wind, from the rearview mirror. I see people doing that. And I don't wear it when I'm driving. Do you see these people who drive with masks? I saw a person drive in. She was in the car by herself with the windows closed, with a mask on and her gloves on. And I'm just saying, honey, you don't have to do that. You're in the car by yourself. <laughs> anyway, so I put my mask on, and I don't like wearing them. But the store had a sign, no mask, no service. I put my mask on. I'll obey that. If a shopkeeper or proprietor says you need to wear a mask in my establishment, you have to. That's their that's their prerogative. You know, if they tell you they, you know, if they if that's what they want, it's their business. Then they you do it. So I did. And I made my purchase, and I'm at the counter there, and a young kid was there. He had his mask on, and you know, but you don't you know you don't you don't see anybody smiling through the mask. We become expressionless. We become. Uh, just, uh, just two-dimensional sometimes through this, and, it's, and you, you know, you, just, you used to be able to like smile. You hold the door open for somebody, you smile at them, they smile back at you. You see the smile. You don't see the smiles behind the mask. I don't know. It's just a sad, sad situation. And I think about that. How we, you and I here now. I, I don't know how many of you are listening. I don't know where you're listening from or watching. But I'm right here with you. And there's no fear of catching the virus because it doesn't happen here. I'm not, you know, I'm not physically in the same room, but it's like our souls are united. We're as close as we can get, especially when we start our time together in prayer. You know, we, we are so close, and the government can't separate us. They can't say, you can't do that, you're too close. No, we're not. We're just radio. It's, it's, it's audio. <laughs> so Holy Father was pointing out that, those who persecute 
us, physically persecute us, can do nothing against the soul. No one can take away our union with God. Holy Father said, the only fear which a disciple should have is to lose this divine gift, this closeness to and friendship with God. To stop living according to the gospel, thereby experiencing moral death, which is the effect of sin. And you know, you hear, and we, we know the stories of all the great martyrs in the history of our church who would not renounce their faith. They had that wonderful union with God, that wonderful closeness and friendship with God, that even at the threat and with the threat of death, they never gave that up. Take my life. My soul is united with, will be united with God. I'm not really worried about my mortal body. Because even that I know, in the end, on the last day, Almighty God is going to recreate our bodies and you reunite them with our immortal soul. So it's only temporary. Not that we should go out looking for physical persecution, but you know what? The way things are going, who knows what's going to transpire over the next number of months. But Holy Father said, in addition to persecution, another tangible situation a disciple of Jesus may find him or herself facing is hostility toward the faith and the Word of God. It used to be, my friends, you know, and you you know, you're my age, you know that people just had a respect for a person's religion. Christianity and, and Catholicism was so well respected by society back in the in the 30s, 40s, 50s, even the 60s to a point. You know, I, I use this example. You stop to think about it. You know, television now, we don't really watch a lot. Cheryl and I were watching, the, we watched the news. You know, we'll put on EWTN, we'll put on, you know, one of the, the news programs to catch up and see what's going on in the world. But we don't really watch a lot of television. But we flipped the channel to the, to our local news station last night, and the news had not yet started. So it was a commercial for a program that, that was coming. And it was such garbage. It was just like you might as well just put, you know, go outside. Wherever you keep your, your outside trash cans, just wheel them into your living room or family room and put it in front of your television set and just watch that. Just stare at the trash because that's all you're watching with most of these television programs that are on. So it's, 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 it's you know, you, you, you watch that junk and, and you, and you, you uh, uh, see the, the garbage that's out there. But back in the 1950s, I use this example because our dear spiritual patron, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, uh, as a, an, a bishop in the church, had his own television program on a major network on NBC. 
Could you imagine today? Archbishop Chaput, Bishop Barron, Bishop Olmsted from Phoenix, one of these, you know, well-known, powerful, you know, teachers being given a half hour of network time once a week during prime time? Absolutely not. But back in the day, there was a great respect. In fact, Bishop Sheen's audience, the majority of Bishop Sheen's audience on a Tuesday night weren't even Catholic. This, this is how things have changed in this country. So in addition to persecution, Pope Francis reminded us, another tangible situation that we as disciples of Jesus may find ourselves facing is hostility toward our faith just because we're Catholics or Christians. And even the Word of God, which offends people, you go to the Word of God and, and, and teach about adultery or stealing or killing. Uh, there are people who are offended by that, offended by the Ten Commandments. Holy Father reminded us on Sunday that Jesus encourages his disciples, that's us, to proclaim the gospel from the housetops to counteract those who would like to stifle the Word of God by sugarcoating it, by watering it down, or by silencing those who proclaim it. These are the words of Pope Francis from Sunday. <laughs> Jesus encourages us as his followers, as his disciples, to proclaim the gospel from the housetops. You know, this is why I said earlier, you know, whether, you know, and we have so many wonderful friends who support this apostolate on a regular basis. And what that does is allow us to proclaim the gospel from the housetops, basically. You know, this, these signals, we have four radio stations here in New Jersey. My words to you here on this program and every other program we broadcast go as far south as Lewes, Delaware, as far north as, as northern Hunterdon County, into southeastern Pennsylvania, over to the New Jersey shore, up and down the coast, all of central Jersey. We're the, the only Catholic stations in New Jersey doing this. We're the only Catholic stations. Been doing it a long time, and, and we're grateful, thankful to Almighty God for allowing us this, this apostolate to, to, to do that. But we can't do it without you. And when we have a transmitter issue like we have right now with 1260, and that transmitter is going to go, it's going to go. We need to buy a new one, 38000 I know you guys will come, you all come through for us. You always do, through God's grace, so that we can continue to, to proclaim the gospel message from the housetops. And Pope Francis reminded us, we do that. These are the words of Pope Francis from this Sunday. To counteract those who would like to stifle the word of God by sugarcoating it, by watering it down, or by silencing those who proclaim it. And then he said, spiritual aridity is another trial Christians can face 
but we must not be afraid of it. The Father takes care of us because we are greatly valued in his eyes. What is important is the frankness, the courage of our witness, of our witness of faith, recognizing Jesus before others and continuing to do good. The world, especially over the past couple of decades, has been trying to suppress the Word of God, the mention of Jesus, the practice and the witness of our faith. That's why it's always been so important to me personally, to Cheryl and to all those wonderful friends who um, are on our board of directors, benefactors, supporters, listeners, and viewers like you. We need this because if, if domestic church media wasn't here, there'd be no Catholic radio stations EWTN affiliates anyway, authentically Catholic radio stations, proclaiming the good news. We need this. We need it. We need to enlighten the hearts and minds to as many people as possible to proclaim this word boldly, without compromise, 24-7. Okay, time is up. Uh, I think I'll be here tomorrow, God willing. Um, <laughs> anyway, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Stay cool. Let's pray for each other and uh, pray that $38,000 comes my way so we can get this transmitter situation taken care of. Okay, my name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you and God love you. Bye.